بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم In these blessed days of the month of the Hijjah of the year 425 after the Hijrah of the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام the Muslims will celebrate one of the great days in Islam and that is Eid al-Adha the Eid of Sacrifice which will be on the day of sacrifice which is called Yawm nahr and Yawm nahr the day of sacrifice has been described by the Prophet والسلام, in the hadith reported by Ibn Umar may Allah be pleased with him and his father the Messenger وسلم, described it as يوم الحج الأكبر يوم النحر The day of the The greatest day of the Hajj Is the يوم النحر The day of sacrifice The Eid The celebration of the Eid Linguistically, the term Eid is derived from the verb Aada. The verb Aada in the past, in the past tense, and Yaudu in the present. And the meaning, the linguistic meaning of the Eid is to return to a certain thing. And it's also said that it is derived from the Arabic word Aada, which means a habit. And uh, Imam Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki, rahimahullah, said, that the Eid is named as such because it happens yearly and brings with it a new happiness. And some of the scholars also related that it is named as such because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants Muslims good bounties and rewards for their righteous deeds which they do on these days and from these are number one the breaking of the fast on the day of the Eid which is Eid al-Fitr after the month of Ramadan and from that is giving the zakah which is zakat al-Fitr And also during the Hajj, where some of the Hajj rituals, major ones, are done on this day, from the circulating of the Kaaba, 
and offering the sacrifices. Certainly, the Eids are a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the believers. And we know from the hadith of Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, that when the Prophet ﷺ immigrated to Medina, and the people there used to celebrate two days during the Jahiliya era, the pre-Islamic days of ignorance, the Prophet ﷺ said, in the hadith reported by Ahmad and Abi Dawood and Al-Nasai and Al-Baghawi and it is authentic he said I immigrated to you and you have two days in which you used to celebrate during the days of ignorance Allah has granted you two days better than them the day of sacrifice Eid al-Adha and the Eid al-Fitr the day of breaking the fast and these are special celebrations and there are certain things allowed and there are certain things prohibited as well on these days we know from the hadith of Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, when the Prophet ﷺ, she said, once entered my room, and there were two young girls singing poems concerning Bu'ath. In another narration, but they were not singers. In another narration, but they were not singers. They were commemorating the day of Bu'ath. And this is a great war which took place in the days of Jahiliya, of pre-ignorance, between two of the prominent Arab tribes, Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj. So the Prophet ﷺ lay down and turned his face to the other side. Then Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, came and spoke to me harshly, saying, Musical instruments of shaitan, of Satan, near the Prophet ﷺ. Then Allah's Messenger ﷺ turned his face towards him and said, Leave them. When Abu Bakr became inattentive, I singled or I signaled to the girls to go out and they left. In the other hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, O oh Abu Bakr, every nation has a feast. Every nation has a feast day and this is our feast day. And this is in Bukhari and Muslim. And Imam al-Baghawi 
said in his book Sharh al-Sunnah concerning this day of Bu'ath he said this is a famous day of the Arabs in which a great war took place between the two tribes Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj and the war lasted for 120 years till Islam's advent then he said the songs the two girls were singing at the presence of the Prophet were a description of the war and the courage displayed by the warriors and some of the verses serve spreading Islam of course singing obscene songs on the other hand encourages disobedience and revealing abominable words in songs forbidden in forbidden singing as we know the Prophet ﷺ forbade that when he said وسلم, this is our feast this shows or indicates that showing happiness on feast days is of a religious ritual and the Eid days are not like other days And Al-Hafiz bin Hajar, Rahimahullah, may Allah's mercy be upon him, said, This hadith contains many benefits. The legality of expanding provisions on children on feast days and providing them with things which may take or which may make them happy and revealing or and relieving rather their bodies from the hardship of worship another benefit taken from the hadith he added is showing happiness on feast days from the etiquettes on this day is beautifying oneself on the feast day Ibn Umar may Allah be pleased with him and his father said Umar brought a jibba which is a clock made of istabraq which is thick pure silk from the market he took it to the Prophet and said O Messenger of Allah take this clock and beautify yourself with it when you meet delegations and on feast days the Messenger of Sallallahu said, This is the cloth of those who have no portion of rewards on the last day. After a few days, the Prophet Sallallahu sent to Umar a jibba, a clock made of dibaj, pure silk. Umar came to the Prophet Sallallahu and said, O Messenger of Allah, you said that this cloth is of those who have no portion of rewards in the hereafter and then you sent me this jibba, this clock Allah's Messenger وسلم, said I sent it for you so that you may sell it or use it for a certain need this hadith as the scholar Rahimahullah as Sinni said 
indicates that beautifying oneself on the Eid was an approved habit among the Muslims and that the Prophet ﷺ never denied it and so it is recommended. And Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar rahimahullah said, In a hadith it raised to Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased, him, pleased with him and his father, that the Prophet ﷺ used to wear, or to wear the best of his clothes on the two Eids. And he, Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar rahimahullah, said, This ruling is indicated from the hadith, for the Prophet ﷺ agreed with Umar that one should beautify oneself on Friday, but he وسلم, denied only that one should wear such clothes because they are made of silk. And Ibn Qudama said, This indicates that beautifying oneself on these occasions was a known and approved habit. And Imam Malik said, I heard the scholars recommend applying perfumes and ornaments on every Eid. And Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said in his book Zad al-Ma'ad, he, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, used to wear his best clothes when he wanted to perform the prayers. He used to have a garment especially for the two Eids and for the Friday prayer. And that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used sometimes to wear a green bird and sometimes a red one. But it is not a pure red as some people think because if it had been pure red it would not have been called a bird. A bird is a square narrow dress. But it actually had red lines just like the Yemeni birds. The Yemeni garments of this type which is called burd as to the etiquette of going to the musalla musalla al-eid the place where the eid prayer is to be conducted it is reported by al-bukhari and others that the prophet sallallahu used to proceed to the musalla to the praying place on the days of Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha and the first thing to begin with was as-salah the prayer and it is the affirmed sunnah regarding the two Eid prayers that they should be performed in the musalla in the praying place for Eid because the Prophet ﷺ said one prayer in my mosque is better than 1000 prayers in any other mosque except Al-Masjid Al-Haram the sacred mosque in Mecca and despite this great superiority he left praying in his mosque and went to the Musalla to the prayer house, to the prayer place rather. And Imam Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi rahimahullah said, 
it is of the sunnah that the prayer should be performed in the musallah which is the praying place in the open and Ali may Allah be pleased with him ordered Muslims to do so and Imam Al-Awza'i recommended it together with many well-versed scholars and it is also the opinion of Ibn Al-Mundir Rahimahumullah And to the way the Muslim goes to the Musalla. In the hadith reported by Jabir ibn Abdullah, may Allah be pleased with him, said, On the day of the Eid, the Prophet used to return from the Musalla after performing the Eid prayer by a way different from that by which he went Imam Ibn Qayyim Al-Jawziyya Rahimahullah commented by saying the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to change ways when going to and coming back from the Musalla and that he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to go to the Musalla through a way and come back through another it is said that the Prophet ﷺ did so to greet the inhabitants who live near these ways. To greet the inhabitants who live near these ways. Or that those who live near these ways could benefit from his blessings on that whoever has a need could satisfy his need by the help of Allah's Messenger or so that the Islamic rituals and rites could be revealed to all people whether Muslim or non-Muslim the saying which I consider preponderating meaning Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, is the one that says that Allah's Messenger did so meaning changed the ways for all the previously mentioned benefits altogether and many others which are found in every act of Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah may Allah's mercy be upon him said after mentioning these opinions he said even if the rationale of any of the Prophet's acts is unknown one is certainly recommended to act likewise meaning to follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actions and Allah knows best And Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah said in his book Sharh al-Sunnah, the explanation of the Sunnah, he said, quote, it is recommended that people should go out to the Musalla, to the prayer place for the Eid, after they have performed the Fajr prayer and sit there glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dhikr, in remembrance. The Imam, however, the Imam who leads the prayer could go out at the time of the prayer 
and Imam al-Tirmidhi rahimahullah and Ibn Manja reported that Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, said, it is an act of sunnah to go out to the Eid prayer on foot. It is an act of sunnah to go out to the Eid prayer on foot. The glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the Eid days saying takbir Allahu Akbar Allah is the most great in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 185 يقول الله عز وجل ولتكمل العدة ولتكبر الله على ما هداكم ولعلكم تشكرون at the end of the verse he wants that you must complete the same number of days and that you must magnify Allah, saying takbir, for having guided you so that you may be of grateful, may be grateful to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is confirmed that the Prophet والسلام, used to go out on the breakfast festival, Eid al-Fitr, to the Musalla, glorifying Allah, till He sallallahu alayhi wasallam reached it and performed the prayer. When he performs the prayer, he stops saying takbir. He stops saying takbir. Al-Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah, commented, This hadith contains an evidence on the legality of what Muslims do when going out of the musalla of glorifying and magnifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning saying takbir is in an audible voice in a loud voice unfortunately he said many Muslims nowadays started to abandon the sunnah till it is nearly gone among them And it should be mentioned here, as we mentioned this earlier the other day, that saying takbir in an audible voice should not be in a congregation that recites it simultaneously and in plural, as some people do nowadays. Meaning everyone should say the takbir alone. And this applies on every kind of dhikr, every kind of remembrance which is recited in an audible voice or silently and no remembrance should be recited together so beware of that and the best guidance 
is the guidance of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. As to the takbir with respect to Eid al Adha, the takbir starts from the dawn of Arafah day till the end of the last day of the days of Tashriq, which is the three days after the first day of Eid al Adha, meaning the 13th of this month. Umar ibn al-Khattab may Allah be pleased with him used to recite takbir in his tent in Mina and the people of the mosque could hear him and so they and do as he did then the people in the markets and the streets would also recite takbir till Mina the place would tremble with their recitation Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, used to declare takbir in Mina in those days, meaning the days of Tashriq, which we are living now, after performing the prayers on his bed, at home, in his council place, and while walking. And Maymuna, may Allah be pleased with her, used to recite takbir on the sacrifice day. And women used to recite after the recitation of Ibn Uthman, Ibn Uthman, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And Umar ibn, Abd, ibn Abdul Aziz on the night of the days of Tashriq with the men in the mosque. Of course they can say it and they make the takbir but not loud but loud enough that they can hear it themselves
Ibn Umar used to recite takbir in an audible voice when going out to the prayer on the Fitr Eid and on Al-Adha Eid till he reaches the Musalla, the prayer place, then continue reciting takbir till the coming of the Imam, the one who leads the prayer. As to the format of takbir, there is no authentic hadith that states the words said when reciting takbir. However, there are certain statements which were made by the Sahaba, by the companions, may Allah be pleased with them. Like that of Ibn Mas'ud, who used to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illa Allah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahi alhamd. I will repeat, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illa Allah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahi alhamd. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, all praise is due to Allah. Also Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, used to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, meaning three times, Walillahi alhamd, all praise is due to Allah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, three times. Ala Mahadana. I will translate the meaning. Allah is the greatest, three times. All praise is due to Allah. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest and the most glorified. Allah is the greatest for His guidance for us. And also there is another one reported to Salman al-Khair, may Allah be pleased with him, who said, recite the takbir as follows, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbaru Kabira. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, indeed the all great. Most people unfortunately have abandoned these ways of reciting takbir and turned to other ways with additions made that are based on no evidences. In fact, Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, may Allah be pleased with him, may Allah's mercy be upon him, said in his book, Fath al-Bari, quote, many additions in the recitations of takbir were heresies which are based on no authentic evidences. The etiquettes of eating on the two Eids the etiquettes of eating on the two Eids. First, with respect to Eid al-Fitr, the Eid following Ramadan fasting. Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, said, 
Allah's Messenger never proceeded for the Eid prayer on the day of Eid al-Fitr, the breakfast Eid, unless he had eaten some dates. Unless he had eaten some dates. And Imam al-Muhallab rahimahullah said, quote, the rationale that lies behind eating before the Eid prayer is that one should not think that a Muslim have to fast on the Eid till he performs the Eid prayer. By eating dates, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to eliminate that allegation. And in the hadith of Buraida, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that the Prophet ﷺ used not to proceed on the fitr day, on the Eid of fitr meaning the breakfast day, to the prayer, unless he had eaten some dates, and on the sacrifice day, Eid al-Adha, this coming one, he used not to eat until he had come back, until he had came back and ate of his sacrifice. Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said on the sacrifice day he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used not to eat till he had came back from the musalla the prayer place and ate of his sacrifice and al-Imam al-Shawkani commented on this by saying the rationale that stands behind delaying eating on the sacrifice day is that offering the sacrifice is one of this day's religious rituals and eating from it is also a, rit- a religious ritual so it is recommended for a Muslim to eat from his sacrifice and that this is the view as well of Imam Ibn Qudama. What about taking a bath before the Eid prayer? It is reported that Abdullah ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, used to bath on the Fitr day, on the Eid al-Fitr day, before going out to the Musalla, to the prayer place. And that Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, rahimahullah, said, there are three sunnah acts one should do on the fitr day going to the Eid prayer on foot eating dates before going out to the musalla and bathing before the prayer he was referring to Eid al-Fitr of course and what he meant by the sunnah here that this was the companion's way, the sunnah of the companions. 
it is of their way and guidance because nothing authentic was proved regarding these points from the Prophet And some of the scholars said that it is desirable that one should bath for the Eid and that Ibn Umar used to bath on Fitr day and it was narrated that Ali used to do as well and it is also the view of Alqama, of Urwa, of Ata, of Al-Nakhai, of Al-Shafi'i, of Al-Shabi, of Qatada, of Malik and Ibn al-Mundir What is narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam regarding this point, taking a bath on the Eid day, is considered a weak narration. Also, it should be remembered that there is, whether there is, or is there any prayer before or after the Eid, Ibn Abbas, May Allah be pleased with him. And his father said, the Prophet ﷺ offered a two rak'ah, a prayer on the Eid, the prayer, and nothing before or after it. Nothing before or after it. Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said, he ﷺ and his companions prayed in the musalla, in the prayer place, prayed Eid prayer, nothing before or after it. And Ibn Hajar rahimahullah said, quote, it's clear that the Eid prayer has no voluntary prayer before or after it, and this contradicts those who considered it as the Friday prayer. Meaning the Friday prayer, as we know, has a Sunnah prayer after it. As to having just optional prayer, if someone enters the praying place for the Eid after sunrise, just absolute optional prayer that nothing, nothing related to the Eid, it is reported that from the companions there are some who did that. meaning just absolute nafil. But there is no sunnah, either before or after. What is the ruling concerning the Eid prayers? What is the ruling concerning the Eid prayers? The correct opinion concerning this is that which Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah related. He said, we say that the Eid prayer is an enjoined duty 
on every individual Muslim. As Imam Abu Hanifa and others said, and this is also a Shafi'i and one of Ahmad's views. End of quote. Al-Shawkani rahimahullah said, bear in mind that the Prophet sallallahu used always to offer the two Eid prayers and never left them and commanded people to go out to the musalla, to the prayer place, and offer them even the young women, young girls and the menstruating women, and ordered the menstruating women to move away a little from the praying place at the time of offering prayer, so that they women could witness goodness with male Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ even ordered the woman who did not have a jilbab, which is the outer garment woman wear over their regular clothes, to borrow one from her Muslim sister. He said this all indicates that this prayer, the Eid prayer, is obligatory, a duty, and not a collective duty. The command to go out for it is a command to offer it for those who have no legal excuse to leave it because going out for the prayer leads to offering it and as long as going out for it is an obligation offering it is an obligation as well men are more obliged to offer it than women then he rahimahullah said one of the proofs that indicates its obligation is that if it happens to be on Friday, offering Friday prayer, which is obligatory, becomes then optional. And what is also proved is that the Prophet ﷺ offered the Eid prayer from the time it was enjoined on Muslims till he died. And he ﷺ ordered people to go out and offer it. And Sheikh al-Albani rahimahullah said that the stated command indicates an obligation and if going out to the prayer is an obligation then offering the prayer is certainly an obligation. So the right thing to say that it is an enjoined duty not just an optional one. the time of the Eid prayer. Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to delay the prayer of Eid al-Fitr, that of Ramadan, after Ramadan, and hasten offering the prayer of Eid al-Adha, and hasten the prayer of Eid al-Adha, the Eid of Sacrifice. Ibn Umar, who was a great follower of the prophetic sunnah, used not to go out for the Eid prayer till the sun rises.
and the time of the two Eid prayers begins after the sun rises to a height equal with that when a spear is thrown in the sky till it declines and the end of their time is when the sun declines and that it is better to perform the Al-Adha prayer at the beginning of the appointed time so that people could sacrifice their animals and to delay offering the Fitr prayer so that people could give out their charities before the prayer is due Now, there is no adhan, nor, nor iqama before the Eid prayer. There is no adhan, nor iqama before the Eid prayer. In the hadith reported by Muslim and others, Jabir ibn Sumra, may Allah be pleased with him, said, I offered with the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I offered with the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, many Eid prayers without Adhan, without calling for prayers and without Iqama without call for the establishment of the prayer Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father and Jabir may Allah be pleased with him and his father both of them said there was no Adhan on the Eid Fitr nor Eid Al-Adha meaning before the two Eid prayers and Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said the Prophet sallallahu used to offer the Eid prayer directly when he reaches the Musalla, the praying place without Adhan nor the Iqama nor saying As-Salatu Jami'ah nor saying prayer is to be offered in congregation so it is the Sunnah not to do so And therefore, this is evidence, as Imam al-Sam'ani rahimahullah said, that the Adhan and the Iqama are illegal before offering the Eid prayer, for doing them would be an heresy in religion. How to perform the Eid prayer? First of all, the number of rakans. The Eid prayer consists of two rakah. Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him and his father said, the journey prayer consists of two rakah, and the Adha prayer, the sacrifice day, consists of two rakah, and the Fitr prayer consists of two rakah as well. And they are complete prayers, not shortened. This rule was taken from the tongue of the Prophet ﷺ, end of quote. And this reported by Ahmad and Nasai through a good chain of narration. Second, 
the first rak'ah begins with the takbir saying Allahu Akbar Allah is the greatest as the case in all the other prayers we know of then the imam followed by the Muslims the praying Muslims recites seven takbirs recites seven takbirat takbirat is a plural of takbir meaning seven times Allahu Akbar seven times this is in the first rak'ah in the second rak'ah there are five takbirat other than the transmission takbir in the second rak'ah there are five takbirat other than the transmission takbir what is the transmission takbir? the one recited when the imam and the praying muslims stand up to perform the second rak'ah because you know when you stand up you say Allahu Akbar so in the second rak'ah there are five takbirs in addition to this normal takbir of transmission Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her and her father said the Prophet ﷺ used to recite takbir in the prayers of Eid Al-Fitr and Al-Adha seven takbirat in the first rak'ah and five in the second one other than the two takbirs that precede the ruku' that precede the ruku' that precede the bowing Now, it is not affirmed, it is not affirmed It is not affirmed that the Prophet ﷺ used to raise his hands with every takbir It is not affirmed that the Prophet ﷺ used to raise his hands with every takbir as to the saying of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he said though Ibn Umar may Allah be pleased with him and his father was a great follower of the prophetic sunnah he used to raise his hands when reciting the takbirat al-Sheikh al-Albani rahimahullah said though it was narrated that Ibn Umar did so meaning raising the hands when reciting takbir it does not mean it is a prophetic sunnah not to mention that the narration about Umar and his son is not authentic as for Umar's narration Al-Bayhaqi narrated it through a weak chain of narrators and as for his son's narration till now I could not find a chain of narrations for it end of quote and he, Shaykh Al-Albani rahimahullah also said He who believes that he, Ibn Umar, used not to do that, meaning raising his hands when reciting takbir, but with the Prophet ﷺ approval, then he may do it. Then he may do it. Fourth, 
nothing was affirmed concerning any remembrance between the Eid Takbirat from the Prophet ﷺ. But it was narrated through a good chain of narrators from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he said about the Eid prayer quote between every two takbirat there is a praising of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the almighty and celebrating his attributes I would repeat nothing was affirmed concerning any remembrance between the takbirat but it is or it was reported through a good chain of narrators from Ibn Mas'ud may Allah be pleased with him that he said about the Eid prayer quote between every two takbirat there is praising of Allah the almighty and celebrating his attributes fifth when the Prophet was done with the takbirat he used to recite the Fatiha then he recites Surah Qaf chapter 50 in the first raka and Surah Al-Qamar in the second one and Al-Qamar is chapter 54 Sometimes he sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to recite Al-A'la Surah, Surah Al-A'la, Sabbih Isma Rabbika Al-A'la, which is 87, in the first rak'ah, and Surah Al-Ghashiyah in the second one, which is 88. Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim said, the two cases were affirmed from the Prophet ﷺ and nothing else. Finally, the rest of the acts of the Eid prayer are as those of any other prayer, nothing is different. Now, suppose one misses the Eid prayer with the congregational prayer. Whoever misses the Eid prayer with the congregational prayer can offer a two rak'ah. Can offer a two rak'ah. Imam al-Bukhari said, whoever misses the Eid prayer should offer two rak'ah prayer. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar said, commenting on al-Bukhari's point, quote, Regarding this point, there are two rulings. A. Offering the Eid prayer is obligatory if missed with the congregational, whether missing it was willingly or unwillingly. Second, it is a two rak'ah prayer. Ata said whoever missed the Eid prayer could offer a two rak'ah prayer. End of quote of Al-Hafid bin Hajar. 
some of the scholars are with the opinion however like Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, he believed that there is no making up for the missed prayer and if one misses it with the Imam he can never make it up And Imam Malik rahimahullah said whoever whether a man or a woman offers the Eid prayer alone should as I think he said recite seven takbirah in the first rak'ah and five takbirah in the takbirat in the second one before reciting some of the Quran So therefore, if it is missed, there is an opinion to make it up just with the seven takbira and five as normal. And Anas bin Malik did that. And some of the scholars are with the opinion that it is not to be made up because its timing is over. And it is a special, a special prayer. And a special congregational one as well and that making it up requires evidence and there is no evidence meaning from the Prophet and this seems to be the apparent one This is concerning the Salah. What about the sermon of the Salah? The sermon after the prayer, it is of the prophetic Sunnah that the Eid sermon should follow the Eid prayer. And Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, and his father said, I offered the Eid prayer with Allah's Messenger وسلم, and with Abu Bakr, with Umar and Uthman, and all of them offered the Eid prayer before delivering the khutbah, before delivering the sermon. And Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, and his father said, the Prophet wasallam, Abu Bakr and Umar, used to offer the prayers before delivering the khutbah. Now, attending the sermon is optional, it is not mandatory.
Abu Sa'id al-Khudari, may Allah be pleased with him, said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to proceed to the musalla, to the prayer, prayer place on the days of Eid, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. The first thing to begin with was the Eid prayer and after that he would stand in front of the people and the people would keep sitting in their rows then he would preach them and advise them and the Eid sermon is like the other religious sermons it begins with celebrating Allah's praises and attributes Imam Ibn Qayyim said the Prophet ﷺ used to commence all his sermons with celebrating Allah's praises. And there is no authentic hadith that affirms that he ﷺ used to commence his Eid sermon with reciting takbir, saying Allahu Akbar. However, Ibn Majah narrated in his Sunan from Sa'd al-Qarth, the Prophet scholar of prayer, that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite takbir a lot during, during, during the khutbah and during the two Eid sermons but it does not suggest that he ﷺ used to commence them with takbir attending the sermon is not an obligation as attending the congregational prayer is Abdullah ibn Sa'ib said I attended the Eid prayer with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he accomplished the prayer he said we are going to deliver a sermon whoever likes to stay could stay could do so otherwise he could go and this is narrated by Abu Dawood and Nasa'i Ibn Majah and Al-Hakim and it has an authentic chain of narrators. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said, The Prophet ﷺ permitted the one who attends the Eid prayer either to sit and listen to the sermon or to go. Now, what happens if the Eid day and the Friday come on the same day as it is in our year now?
It is reported from Iyas ibn Abu Ramla al-Shami that he said, I heard Muawiyah ibn Abu Sufyan, may Allah be pleased with him, asking Zayd ibn al-Arqam, did you witness with the Prophet two Eids that were on the same day? He said, yes. Muawiyah said, what did he وسلم, do? Zayd said, he offered the Eid prayer and did not oblige anyone to offer the Friday prayer. He وسلم, said, whoever wishes to offer the Friday prayer, the Friday prayer can do so. And there are other narrations as well to this point. And one of them, reported by Abdul Razak in his Musannaf, and Ibn Abu Shayba also in his Musannaf, through an authentic chain of narrators traced back to Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that when the two Eids, the Friday, and one of the two Eids happened to be on the same day, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever wishes to offer the Friday prayer could do so, and whoever wishes to stay at home could do so. And Al-Bukhari narrated in his Sahih a similar narration from Uthman ibn Affan with them. So when the Eid prayer and the Friday prayer come on the same day, the Eid and the Friday, then the obligation to perform the Friday is lifted. And the Imam, however, the Imam, however, should conduct the Friday prayer in order for those who wish to attend can attend. And also for those who didn't attend the Eid prayer can attend the Friday prayer. But for those who attended the Eid prayer, it is not obligation for them to attend the Dhuhr, the uh, Friday prayer. As to what should be done instead of the Friday prayer for those who offered the Eid prayer, some of the opinions is that they should only offer the Dhuhr prayer. And there is another opinion that even the Dhuhr prayer is not, is eliminated.
and those who consider that the Zohar prayer is not mandatory, they go with the opinion that since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger prescribed for his slave for 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 the Ummah the lifting of the obligation to do the Friday so obliging those on whom the Friday prayer was eliminated to offer the Zuhur prayer needs an authentic evidence and to them they consider there is no event, no authentic evidence to indicate as such and the other opinion that you heard is that instead when the Zuhur prayer comes and those who don't do the Friday they conduct the, the Zuhur prayer as usual as to the congregation as to the congratulations on the Eid Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah was asked about the congratulations on the Eid and he answered as for the congregations of the Eid people could say to each other after offering the Eid prayer taqabbal allahu minna wa minkum taqabbal allahu minna wa minkum may Allah accept worship we offered from you and us Or, أَعَادَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ May Allah make you witness it again. And other similar phrases. And that these statements were said by a group of the companions. And also some of the imams like Imam Ahmad, such as Ahmad and others permitted saying them. But Ahmad rahimahullah said, I don't address people with them, but if anyone addresses me with them, I return the greetings, for returning greetings is an obligatory duty, but to begin people with them is an optional sunnah. Besides, congratulating others is not of the forbidden acts, so whoever does it, does it, is acting in accordance with the sunnah, and whoever leaves it, is also acting in accordance with the sunnah, and Allah knows best. And it is reported through authentic chain of narrations that the Prophet's companions used to say Allahu minna wa minkum May Allah accept worship and good deeds from you and us when they meet each other on the Eid day. This was the way of the companions May Allah be pleased with them When they greeted each other after the Eid prayer And therefore they can be used And similar statements Which does not have an object of caution Or, or against which one 
yani should guard if they are used then there is no harm in that As to some of the as to the sacrifice, we have spoke about it separately. The rulings on the sacrifice on the aid. From the things that people are reminded about during these days is visiting the parents and the relatives. This is from the righteous deeds. Uh, visiting them on the day of the Eid, asking about their conditions and just increases their happiness. And especially with respect to the parents if they are not in the same house also a person can visit the relatives and the friends but one should not start with the friends first give precedence to the parents and the relatives then the friends and one should not forget the orphans and the widowed
the orphans who lost the comfort and clemency and kindness of the father and the widowed also who lost the comfort of the husband and also this is a time to remove and clear one's heart from any enmity towards a Muslim these are some meritorious acts that we remind ourselves about at the same time also we caution and warn from innovations done on this Eid or on the Eid and some of which are widespread in the Muslim world some of which is as follows some people beautify themselves meaning men particularly by shaving the beard on the day of Eid and this is forbidden in Islam the second is shaking hand with women who are unlawful to touch and this is widespread sin from which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved none, save a few on whom Allah wished to have mercy shaking hands with unlawful women is forbidden because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said it is better for a man that his head be pierced with an iron fork than to touch a woman who is forbidden for him to touch and this forbidden is stated even in the books of the four madahid thirdly imitating the disbelievers by wearing special clothes listening to music and committing other abominable acts the Prophet ﷺ said whoever imitates certain people is one of them and he the Prophet ﷺ said among my followers there will be some people who will consider illegal sexual intercourse the wearing of silk the drinking of alcoholic drinks and the use of musical instruments as lawful and we see these people around us and from them there will be some he the Prophet ﷺ added and from them there will be some who will stay near the side of a mountain and in the evening their shepherd will come to them with their sheep and ask them for something but they will say to him come to us tomorrow Allah will destroy them during the night and will let the mountain fall on them and will transform the rest of them into monkeys and pigs and they will remain so till the day of resurrection this is narrated by Bukhari through a disconnected chain of narrators but Abu Dawood connected it in his Sunan Al-Bayhaqi and others as well and Al-Hafid said 
Al-Hasan ibn Sufyan connected the chain of narrators of this hadith in his Musnad and so did Al-Ismaili Al-Tabarani through four chain of narrators Ibn Hibban in his Sahih and others And Shaykh Ali Hassan, may Allah preserve him, discussed the chain of narrators of this hadith and mentioned all the ways of its narration in one paper. And it's printed. A man from the Ansar, those who supported the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, said, O oh Allah's Messenger, what about Alhamu, the in-laws of the wife, the brothers of the wife's husband or his nephews? The Prophet ﷺ said, the Hamu, the in-laws of the wife are death itself. This is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. You see, because these are close and can often meet the wife and there is less restriction on them entering the homes. And from the wrong things done is that women displaying their, char- their charms and going frequently to the markets and other places like them. This is all forbidden in Allah's law. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in 3333 Surah Al-Ahzab And stay in your houses and don't display yourselves like that of the times of ignorance and perform salah and give zakah and the Prophet said two kinds of hell dwellers I have not seen yet Women who are dressed but still naked. Ma'ilat. They deviate themselves from the path of obedience and the path of protecting their private parts. Their heads are like the moving humps of camels. Al-Qadi Ayyad explained that the camels meant in the hadith have two humps and the meaning Allah knows best is that they enlarge their heads by using certain veils and raise their hair in a round shape and they don't lower their sights when seeing men the Prophet ﷺ continued they will not enter paradise nor smell its scent though its scent is smelt from such and such distances The sixth matter is visiting graves only on eight days. After the Eid prayer, people go visit their parents, their relatives. This is an innovation, not done by the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ said, 
من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد anyone who does an action which is not in accordance with our way with our command will have it rejected and Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah commented on the saying of the Prophet sallallahu when he said لا تتخذوا قبري عيدا don't make of my grave عيد a celebration or a festival and they saw he said if someone makes it the norm to visit the graves on the day of Eid every year after the Salat al-Eid then he indeed fell in that which is forbidden whereby he made this as Eid something to return to regularly because matters of Sharia are built on two foundations he added sincerity meaning having worship only to Allah alone and that Allah is to be worshipped in that which he legalized we don't worship him in innovation he said قال الله تعالى in Surah Al-Kahf in 18.1.10 in Shaykh Al-Islam cited this verse فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Say, O Muhammad وسلم, I am only a man like you. It has been inspired to me that your Ilah God is one Ilah. So whoever hopes for the meeting with his Lord, let him work righteousness and associate none as a partner in the worship with Lord, with his Lord. So visiting your graves only on eight days, giving people sweets, there or sitting on graves and mixing men and women the detested display of body beauty weeping the dead and other detested acts from the the seventh action which is also witnessed by many Muslims is spending money extravagantly on trivial things that bring no benefit or use And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in Surah Al-An'am in 6, 141 That which means Waste not by extravagance. Verily he likes not those who waste by extravagance. The Prophet ﷺ said,
ما ملأ ابن ادم وعاء شرا من بطنه. The son of Adam did not fill a vessel more evil than that of his belly. If it's inevitable, then let him have one third for his food, one third for his for water, and one third for his breath. So also even on these days it indicates that we eat with moderation and we don't waste by extravagance. It's also strange that many people give up the prayers, the congregational prayers and they come only on the Eid day. Once in a year. And many people rush out to the graveyards immediately after the dawn break. Some of them even take palm branches and other tree, uh, tree branches and put them near the graves of their relatives. And this is not from the Sunnah. Also, we see some harsh hearts not sympathizing with the poor and the needy. The well-to-do display their happiness and joy and eat of the well-prepared food before the eyes of the poor and the children without any feeling for them or trying to help them. And the Prophet ﷺ said, None of you will have a true faith till he likes for his Muslim brother what he likes for himself. And this is Bukhari and Muslim. In Bukhari and Muslim. These are some of the matters related to the Eid and I base them on two good references one in English and one in Arabic the one in English is the rulings of the two Eids in the light of the authentic Sunnah and this is by Sheikh Ali Hassan bin Abdul Hamid May Allah preserve him, and he is one of the senior students of Sheikh Al-Albani. May Allah's mercy be upon him. And this is published, and it's in English, and it's very useful. And the other is, Majalisu Ashri Dhil Hijjah Wa Ayyam Al-Tashriq. And this is by Sheikh Abdullah bin Salih Al-Fawzan. May Allah preserve him. Well-known, sound Sheikh, Hafizahullah, may Allah preserve him. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a benefit for myself and for all of you. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, sallallahu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.